The word of the Lord from John chapter 2, verses 13 to 25. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, What sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It has taken forty-six years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When, therefore, he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them, because he knew all people, and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. When Jesus goes up to Jerusalem, the Passover of the Jews is at hand. The Passover. In just a few days, everyone will offer the sacrifices and remember how God delivered them from Egypt. They were slaves being worked to death, and Pharaoh controlled their numbers by killing their baby boys. But the Lord did not forget them. He raised up Moses as his servant, sent him to Pharaoh to tell the king of Egypt, Let my people go. Pharaoh didn't listen, though. Despite signs and wonders worked by God through Moses, not to mention nine different plagues to show God's power, finally then came the Passover. The Lord declared that he would pass through Egypt and take the life of every firstborn male, man and beast. He commanded that each household of the Israelites was to sacrifice a lamb, mark their door with its blood, and eat the lamb for dinner. When he came through the land in judgment, he passed over the houses marked with blood and spared the lives inside. Of everything that God does for his people in the Old Testament, is there any wonder greater than this one? Paired with the crossing of the Red Sea a couple days later, it's the Good Friday and Easter Sunday of the Old Testament. It's why the people of God are the people of God. In fact, as you heard this morning, 
It's a big thing that when God gives the Ten Commandments to the Israelites at Mount Sinai, he prefaces his law with the Passover. He begins by saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. That's a big deal. It means that when God gives the Ten Commandments, he's not saying, if you keep these commandments well enough, then I will make you to be my people because of your hard work and your obedience. Instead, he says, I've already made you to be my people by my mighty works. I have saved you by the blood of a lamb. You're already my people, and these commandments are what you are to do so that you don't fall away through disobedience. Oh, the Passover is so important, so much so that the Lord commands that his people celebrate it every year. Every year they are to gather, sacrifice a lamb, and celebrate the meal. Every year they are to remember that the Lord delivered them from Egypt by his works, not by their works. Every year they are to remember that before his death, Moses prophesied that a prophet like him, namely the Messiah, would come to deliver God's people. So every year they gather in Jerusalem to offer sacrifices and remember God's work of saving them. Jerusalem is the place because that's where the temple is. That's where the lambs are to be sacrificed. But that's not all. God didn't just deliver them out of Egypt and leave them be. He promised his presence, first in the tabernacle, then in the temple. And it was under King Solomon that the first temple was built. And when it was done... A cloud of glory appeared and filled the inner sanctum, the most holy place. It was God's way of declaring his presence, of saying to his people of old, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. All of this, the sacrifice of the lamb, God's deliverance, God's promises, and God's presence, They make the Passover a very important deal indeed. Jesus goes up to Jerusalem when the Passover of the Jews is at hand. When he arrives at the temple, he finds a lot going on within the courts. There are merchants selling oxen, sheep, and pigeons, as well as money changers going about their trade. And all this is... Well, it's pretty practical and helpful, especially for families traveling from far away. Rather than bring a sacrificial animal all the way from home and risk injury or blemish along the way, they can buy one right here, certified for sacrifice. If they don't have the temple coinage for conducting the sale, there's no need to look for a bank. The money changers will take care of them on the spot. It's a helpful thing in a world not known for convenience. The Lord doesn't seem to appreciate the convenience, though. He makes a whip of cords and, in a brazen show of authority, he drives the merchants plus their sheep and oxen out of the temple. He pours out the coins of the money changers and overturns their tables. Why? Well, he gives an explanation of sorts to those who sell the pigeons. He says, 
take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. So that's the sin. The merchants and money changers have made the temple into a house of trade. Part of the problem is the one that I grew up hearing about. There's always a temptation to take the wonder of God's work and cheapen it by trying to profit off of it, as if Jesus died on the cross so that people could make a living selling Christian knickknacks. There's always a temptation for a church to become a place for networking and marketing your business rather than a Sabbath rest to receive God's gifts. That's why we seek to preserve this room as a sanctuary, a sacred space. It's why we take care that our words and deeds and furnishings and appointments don't detract from the message of God's presence. There is a place for business, for networking and marketing and merchandising. This isn't it. This sanctuary is set apart from the rat race outside, devoted instead to God and His holy things, His holy gifts. It's also, by the way, why I'm slow to embrace more technology in worship. It's not because I'm an aging, grumpy man who doesn't want to learn anything new. It's because I'm an aging, grumpy man who knows that technology brings a lot of baggage with it, and it runs a strong risk of redefining our ideas of God, of us before God, and of worship of God. But the other problem, and the bigger problem, is that turning the temple into a house of trade denies how God works to save. God is not about trading. Remember, he doesn't say to the Israelites at Mount Sinai, you can trade in your good works for the right to be my people. He's already made them his people by his mighty works and by sacrifice. The Pharisees are into salvation by trade, as in, if you do enough good rule-keeping works, then you can earn salvation. The Sadducees are more into trade-offs, as in, in our desire to be acceptable to the world, we are willing to trade away this or that truth of God for some ungodly philosophy of man. For the leaders in the city, then, religion is transactional. It's about trading. You do your part, God does his. If that is how God works then it's perfectly fine to have transactions taking place in the courts of his house because it's handy, it fits, and it even reflects your belief of how God works. You trade your money and you get a sheep, and you trade your sheep at the altar and get some love from God. But God is not about people trading for salvation. If he were... What must you trade to get enough forgiveness for your sin? As the prophet Micah asks, Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? No, God is not about trading, but about giving. Thus, behold what happens next in our reading. The Jews, meaning the leaders, are a 
bit unhappy with Jesus for cleansing the temple, and they demand of him, What sign do you show us for doing these things? He'd better have a good one ready because he's done a lot of disrupting, and they wouldn't mind ending him on the spot. Well, Jesus does have a good response ready. He says, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. You can imagine their exasperation as he retort, It has taken 46 years to build this temple with an awful lot of construction crews and support. And will you, all by yourself, raise it up in three days? Then you hear this thunderclap of a verse, but he was speaking about the temple of his body. Jesus has come to the Passover, and it will be like no other because he has come to be the Passover lamb, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is about to take away the sins of the world by bearing them all to the cross, by shedding his blood. Once in Egypt, when the Lord came through the land in judgment, he passed over the homes marked in blood and he spared the lives inside. Now at this Passover, the Lamb of God sheds his blood, and all who trust in him have this certainty. On the last day, on Judgment Day, the Lord will spare their lives because they are cleansed of their sin and marked as his people, washed by the blood of the Lamb. Jesus has come to the Passover to be the Passover Lamb for all. Yet here, he doesn't call himself the Paschal Lamb. Instead, he calls his body the Temple. And that should cause greater wonder yet. The Temple is where God is present with his people. And now Jesus is saying that he is God present with his people. He is the Word made flesh, dwelling among them, which is an astonishing gift, What is even more astonishing is that he is about to submit to being destroyed. God made man who just cleared out a temple full of merchants and animals with a homemade whip and couldn't be stopped. He is about to let himself be crucified by sinners. Why? Because he is not about trading. He's about giving. If God is about trading then it is only fair that he rewards sinners for their disobedience, his wrath for their iniquity, and you don't have a prayer. But instead of that fair trade, he gifts you with that blessed exchange. He takes your sin and gives you his righteousness. And then he submits to the reward that your sins deserve. It is a wonder that a good man willingly dies for others. It should be exponentially more striking that God becomes man to willingly die, not just for others, but for sinners who are rebelling against him, many of whom will never repent and believe in him. This, by the way, leads us to a happier reason for Jesus driving out the oxen and the sheep from the temple. In doing so, he's saying, you won't need these anymore. 
They won't need any more lambs to sacrifice because he is the final sacrifice for sin. They won't need any temple coins because forgiveness is free. They won't even need the temple anymore because he is the temple, God present with his people for their good. And though they destroy him on a cross, in three days he rises again. The lamb who was slain lives and reigns forever. Which takes us back to the Passover one more time. The most remembered part of the Passover meal seems to be the blood that marked the doors. And I have no problem with this because it points to Jesus. But the Passover was also a meal. The lamb's blood was shed, and then it was eaten by the people in the home. On the night that he was betrayed, Christ, the Lamb of God, instituted his holy supper. The next day, his blood was shed to mark us as his people. And now he gives us his body and blood in this meal called the Holy Communion. This is how he is the Lamb and the Temple right here, right now, in this place. This is not a house of trade. All thoughts of the rat race outside or of transactions with God should yield to this wonder of grace. This is a house of prayer where the Lord gives. Gives forgiveness. Gives life. Gives salvation. Gives himself. For you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.